Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by Spalding University's Sina Jeter Naslund, Karen Mann Graduate School of Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Paul Patton is our guest today with his new book, The Coal Miner Who Became Governor, written with Jeff Suhanik, who is the senior oral historian for the Louis B. Nunn Center for Oral History at the University of Kentucky. Governor Patton's remarkable story of his upbringing in eastern Kentucky to his two terms as Kentucky's chief executive and tenure as president and chancellor at the University of Pikeville is quite a memoir and quite a a piece of history of his life in public. Uh, Governor Patton will uh, be one of our special guests at the 42nd Kentucky Book Festival on October the 21st at Joseph Bett Booksellers in Lexington Green. He will also be featured in a panel discussion with others who have written books about their lives. Uh, Governor, I have to tell you, I feel a little bit like Ralph Edwards saying this is your life because this is exactly what uh, what you've done is uh, you've put it all on the page. And uh, it didn't take me long to uh, to learn uh, something new uh, about you that I had not learned uh, before, that you were born in Fallsburg, Kentucky. So I just want to sort of begin at the beginning and ask you to tell us about uh being born and raised in um, in Eastern Kentucky, and what you remember about Fallsburg? Well, I thought it was the center of the earth. You know, we we didn't have television, we didn't know what how big the world was. Uh, but I feel very fortunate to uh, have lived there. At that time, probably there was about eighteen houses in Fallsburg, and uh, we lived in six houses in the vicinity, three in the downtown and three in the suburbs, I'd say, Fallsburg. But uh, it was it was certainly, Hillary Clinton was right. It takes a village to raise a child, and it was a village, and everybody knew everybody, and uh, it was just an idyllic uh, environment in, in, at, that, at that time in my imagination because I just didn't know how big the world was. Tell us, um, for those who uh, are don't uh, aren't familiar with Eastern Kentucky, uh, what county Fallsburg uh, uh, is still in? I, I imagine it's still there today. It's still there today. I actually uh, last uh, Saturday a week ago, I took my daughter Nikki to Fallsburg and showed her and explained to her the the school I went to grade school in for eight years for. The place where the, I was born, which burned down, and uh, places where we lived and the church we went to, and uh, we just had a great time going down on my grandfather's farm and looking around at uh, things that uh, where the old barn was and stuff like that. So we, uh, it's still there, and uh, it's still just about the same way that it was. Fultburg has the, the largest waterfall in eastern Kentucky besides uh, Cumberland Falls. And uh, there was a big mill built there right after the Civil War. And so it was a very big commercial town. It, it was an incorporated town. It had a jail, it had a 
uh, mayor and all that stuff. But uh, of course, the mill went out uh, before the before 1900, and uh, uh, so uh, there's there was four or five stores in Paulsburg at the time. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's still there. Uh, the mill's gone, but part of the old dam uh, was uh, is still there, and it's uh, it's a unique little place. There's a big uh, campground there at the falls. Now the falls was a big swimming hole below the falls, and uh, it was sometimes there'd be a hundred, hundred and fifty people down there swimming on a Saturday or Sunday. Uh, and it was sort of the gathering place now, but uh, but now there's a campground there, and uh, there's been a dam built just above the Blaine Creek uh, above Fallsburg, and and that stopped the flooding, which kept the what we call the turning hole uh, deep enough to swim in. But uh, uh, it was it was go it was I did that trip with my son Chris about two years ago. And then, then about two weeks ago, I did it with my daughter, Nikki. So they know a little bit about my background. And you were, uh, you, your your family, I, I want you to uh, talk a little bit about your mother and father. They they always believed in in education before you even took it up as your, as your cause, as your mantle, um, as you uh, got involved in politics. They They were educators, weren't they? Well, my mother only went to the eighth grade. And my father was a one-room school teacher in Lawrence County. The Fallsburg is in Lawrence County, about seven miles from Louisa. And uh, uh, he was 10 years older than mother. And he taught at a school that mother was going to. And he, she thought he was so mean and hard that she quit going to school. Uh, she couldn't get to Louisa anyway on a bus. They were at Ulysses, which is almost on the Johnson County line, probably 18 miles from Louisa from the high school at the time. But uh, dad uh, got out of high school and started teaching one room schools. He took the teacher's test and passed that and got his temporary certificate. He also would go to Moorhead, like summer school, and when, when he could, he ended up with about two hours, uh, I mean, about two years of, of college and uh, uh, the, the University of Moorhead, but when I was governor, uh, issued him a honorary uh, two-year certificate degree. Uh, he, he'd already passed away, but uh, so yeah, he always, he enjoyed education and uh We'd go out hunting for a Christmas tree or something, and he would uh, he'd take all three of us kids out, and uh, he would explain what what what's a huckleberry vine, and you know what's a, a mulberry, and uh, what's an oak, and he would he would explain nature to us, and he, he was always an educator. Now, Dad worked away from school, away from home, all the time I was going through school. He'd come in on the weekends. He worked for the railroad, and he. Uh, I would always check, ask about our education, but it was our mother who really emphasized the the importance of school, and uh, she was uh, she she wasn't that educated, but she was damn smart, and uh, she uh, she took took care of us. I had uh, one older sister and one younger sister, and uh, we all three turned out pretty darn good. <laughs> you were. Um... 
you liked math as a as a youngster uh, and and all the way up through school and that led you to uh, an engineering degree at the University of Kentucky is that correct well it's not exactly correct i didn't exactly know what an engineer was uh but i did know that doctor was the best profession you could have and lawyer was the second best profession and engineer was the Third, doctor took eight years and lawyer took six years and you can do an engineer in four years. And I knew I couldn't <laughs> stay in college. Uh, four years was a challenge. Uh, and uh, so I took up engineering because I thought it was the best way to make a living. I didn't really know what it was, even though my dad was a land surveyor with the CNO Railroad uh, all during that period of time. And you went uh, you went to UK, and then when you got your degree at um, uh, from the University of Kentucky, you went back to Eastern Kentucky. Well, I had married a girl there from McDowell, and her father, uh, Jake Cooley, had been in the coal business during the war and had made some money. And uh, the coal business was really in a collapsed state at that time, nineteen fifty nine. And uh, but he didn't want to see me go to Detroit or someplace else, take his daughter and his granddaughter with me. And he said, if you'll come work for me for a year or two, I'll teach you the coal business and uh, you can make a living at it. And, uh, you know, the coal business is, is boom and bust. And it's about nine years of boom and 10 years. I mean, about nine years of bust and 10 years. About every 10 years, you'll have a good year. But you have to be in it to take care of that year. And he was right. I had uh, 20 years of the coal business. Uh, I had two good years, but they were pretty good years. And that uh, enabled you to do a few things with your life that you might not have ever expected to do. Is that about the time um, you got interested in politics or did politics come along when you were learning the uh, the coal business or or was it afterward that you started getting involved in in democratic politics well about in 69 or 70 we started making a little money and i was interested in politics and i first race i got involved with was uh when burt combs ran for the second time against wendell ford of course burt was from eastern kentucky and my father-in-law was on some boards with him and uh, we were for Burke Holmes. That's the first race that I got involved with. I made a small contribution. Uh, but uh, I've been, dad ran for the state legislature in 1940 and uh, lost by 17 votes. So he, uh, he and his family were always involved in politics. And so there was a natural interest there. But uh, it sort of started in 69, 70. Uh, but uh, the, the, the story of how I got involved in politics is a long story. You don't have time for it. One time we were, when I was lieutenant governor, we were going to a bowl game in Memphis, Tennessee. University of Louisville, I think, was playing at a bowl game. Had some staff from the lieutenant governor's office. And Bill Beam from Louisville asked me, said, uh, Governor, how'd you, how'd you get involved in politics? Now, we were at about Elizabethtown. And I, and I started talking, and I shut up about on the outskirts of Memphis. And he said, no, I'm not going to ask you that question again. <laughs> That's a long story. But uh, I had, uh, we sold a company in the fall of 98, I guess, or 78. And uh, I had enough money to live on, and I never did want to own the world. I just wanted to own a 
my ambition was to have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank and get six percent interest on it. Uh, did with what I, my engineering work, I could make a living. That's all I. That was all my financial interest was. I did considerably more than that, better than that. So uh, uh, I, I'm not going to get it long, but but John Brown and uh, got me in uh, politics. Uh, Burton Jones, who I went to his services yesterday, talked to to uh, Libby and uh, the, the family and saw some people in Frankfurt. Uh, they, Burton made me chairman of the or, uh, secretary of, Ag- of, of economic development, which best job in Frankfurt. You know, you in that job, if you if you've got a, a factory coming to a town, you announce it yourself. If if you did, if you fail to get one, which is about Three out of four fall fail. You send somebody else, but it's a it's a great job, and it gave me the credentials of creating the job, and that's what people are interested. In. You jobs, jobs, jobs. But and were you uh, were you involved in the Democratic Party at that time? Pretty much. Oh uh, yeah, I was. Uh, Wendell Ford took me to the uh, Democrat uh, convention in Miami in seventy two. Is that about right? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, see, I got involved in, in politics and, and made contributions uh, to help Julia and Carol for all contributions. But I knew Julia pretty well. Uh, he's doing well. I talked to him not too long ago. He's vigorous for his uh, his mature age. As I say, we're not getting old, but we're just getting more mature. <laughs> well, you know, Governor Patton, I think one of the most interesting things about your book that people will be available um that people have uh, um, the uh, uh, availability of, of, of purchasing at the Kentucky Book Festival um, is that you you do name so many important people in in Kentucky uh, government, uh, uh, not just politics, but just names uh, that you've recalled. Um, I think it's important just to pause here to say that. Uh, you started uh, this work on your on your life story, on your memoir uh, back, I think I read in 2014 or so, uh, doing some oral history at the University of Kentucky. Um, and uh, it's culminated in this uh, this volume, which I have in front of me here. And the book is really not going to be available to the public until uh, November, but we're going to have uh, copies of it. Uh, for you to sign and and for you to talk to the public about uh, in, um, in on October the 21st. But I, again, I think one of the most interesting things about it uh, that I found uh, is that you just mentioned so many key people in Kentucky uh, state government and politics and behind the scenes and and that sort of thing. And and you've got some stories in there too. In fact, I want you to. I want you to tell us a story about uh, when you visited uh, the White House. I'm sure that was on more than one occasion when President Clinton was in the White House and you were there in um, in a in a, a room that we've heard something about. What, can, do you remember that story and can tell us that story? Well, we were there several times. But, of course, I was an underdog. Larry Florida was a great candidate, a great orator. He was, had, had, knew a lot of the Democrat establishment. He was the chosen one everybody thought he was going to win that race and i uh it is amazing that i got elected i don't write it right let me back up and say that jeff jahonic we spent three or four years on that oral history 
And when we got through, he said, how about me and you writing a book, me helping you write a book? And I said, I well, that's fine with me. And, uh, <laughs> we, 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 did, we scored time. But that book was finished. It was over 500 pages. I'm not going to read a 500-page book. <laughs> it's now about 300, 290 or something. Yeah. I'll look and see. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I had to cut out a lot of the good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, And I may write another one just, just on how I unlikely became governor. It was really. Yeah. But uh, uh, Governor Brown had a lot to do with it, and Governor Jones had it. And Wendell Ford had took me to the Democratic National Convention. Julian Carroll may be chairman of the uh, Deep Mind Safety Commission. Uh, Martha Lane Collins uh, uh, helped me as uh, chairman of the Democrat Party. And so uh, all of those governors helped me build the kind of resume. You know, it's hard to get known in Kentucky from eastern Kentucky or from western Kentucky. You just don't have statewide coverage except KET. And uh, it's just really going to be difficult to get elected from those remote areas or even northern Kentucky. Uh, so I'm very fortunate to get elected. That's a big, that's a big story on, on, on itself. When you were uh, at the White House, though, you were in the uh, the Lincoln bedroom. And, and at that time, you were a smoker and you were you were looking for a place and thinking about maybe taking a smoke uh, uh, there in the in the Lincoln bedroom. Is that correct? That's right. And we, uh, uh, as, as I say, we were not supposed to win, but we won by taking on the Newt Gingrich and Terry McBrayer and Kipper, Skipper Martin. You know, they put together a campaign. It was you could Democrats had been in Frankfurt for 24 years. It was time for a change. It was just, there was nothing you could do to justify that. So we diverted the, the campaign to a national issue, which it really wasn't. But it demonstrated you could take on the Republicans and the Newt Gingrich, uh, what we called the the, the 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 war on America or something, the contract with America. We called uh -huh. it contract on America. Uh, and so... Uh, as quick as uh, I won the election, President Clinton called me that night and he said, I want you to come up. And we were inaugurated on uh, something like the 10th of December. And by the maybe the 20th of December, we were in Washington uh, spending uh, a couple of nights at the at the uh, White House. And we met in the Oval Office with Governor, uh, with President Clinton and, and, and uh, Vice President Gore. We uh, so we checked in on a Sunday afternoon, and uh, it was it was somewhat like checking into a hotel. <laughs> uh, it was upstairs, and it was in it was in a Lincoln bedroom. And uh, as I you say, we I smoked, and, and uh, I said, "Julie, I gotta have a cigarette." She said, "You can't smoke in this place." <laughs> I'm, cigarette. I'm gonna go in the bathroom, and I'm gonna. Uh, she said, "You can't do that." About that time, there came a knock on the door. I opened the door and I was President Clinton with his golfing clothes on. And uh, uh, he said, well, I just wanted to help you all here. If you got anything, you need anything, you need anything uh, to drink or anything, feed. Uh, he said, "You, you. this is the Lincoln bedroom, a uh, very famous bedroom. And uh, so he came in and he he started talking about the things that Mrs. Lincoln had bought and where she had bought them and, and all the mementos. And there was a rock there that he had uh, uh, got uh, from the tomb of uh, 
the Israeli ambassador that got uh, president that got assassinated, and uh, he was just real uh, homey, and uh, we we uh, got to know the Clinton. He was in Kentucky eight times during my five the five years that we served together, and of course I was with him every time, and. Uh, uh, he, uh, he, 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 he knew me. I think he would recognize me today if he saw me saw a street somewhere. So, uh, it, it was a great, uh, a great, uh, thing. Uh, but, uh, I'm talking to, um, governor Paul Patton, who will be with us on October the 21st at the Kentucky book festival. Uh, governor Patton, uh, has written, um, a book uh, which is titled The Coal Miner Who Became Governor, written with uh, Jeff Sahanik uh, of the Oral History Department at the University of Kentucky. And it is uh, replete with uh, uh, so many interesting stories. And we're going to have the governor go over some of his major accomplishments um, in his two terms as chief executive of, uh, of Kentucky right after we hear from uh, our good friends at Spalding University. Spalding University's Low Residency MFA in Creative Writing prepares students to publish, produce, and find professional success. Alumni publish books with top presses, write for television and film, and have plays produced around the country. They work as editors, professors, media professionals, content developers, and more. Writers thrive at Spalding's Naslin Mann Graduate School of Writing. Learn more at spalding.edu slash MFA or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Governor Paul Patton is our guest today on Think Humanities. And Governor Patton, uh, I, we, we would have to do uh, four or five parts of this uh, podcast if, uh, if we had the time to, to name everything that you accomplished over your career. And I mean that as a, a sincere compliment. I mean, you, you do your best to spell it out in, um, in your book. Um, and uh, I, you had just said in the uh, first part of our interview that there's a lot that you had to leave out. But um, uh, the major accomplishments, and I don't know if you have ever ranked them, uh, there might be passages in the book where you've written more on on some than others, but all of them at the time were important, weren't they? Uh, whether they were successes, and you had far more successes than failures, but let's just talk about one of those uh, that people would remember um, because it involved um, the University of Kentucky and Charles Wethington and and uh, the attempt to, to reform uh, higher education and and the division of UK and the community college system. Why don't you just talk a little bit about that and how all of that came about, why you wanted to do that and, and what the outcome was. Keep in mind that I was inaugurated in like 90, December of 95. And my inaugural speech, I started talking about higher education. And, and after it was over, the, the press and the staff said, where'd that come from? You didn't talk about that. During, I said, well, I, I ran on jobs to get elected, but I, education is what we need to get jobs. Keep in mind, we had just passed in 1990, the Kentucky Education Reform Act, which was the most revolutionary elementary and secondary education act in the nation. And, uh, uh, but you know, at the time in 1990, we were like 90, 40, we were 48th in the nation 
in, in elementary secondary education. Time I left the office, we were about 32nd. We've gone backwards. We've gone backwards since that time because of the lack of funding. But uh, at any rate, elementary and secondary education is the foundation. But you can't live in the foundation in today's world. You've got to build a building. And that is higher education. And uh, I knew that. And uh, uh, I thought that was the next big thing that Kentucky needed to do. That was uh, the major thing that I did as governor. But I think perhaps the major thing I did was save Kara. Kara was just, Kara demanded tremendous change from our teachers and from our parents to understand the difference between this new education and what they'd gone through. And uh, it had not had time to have effect, but it was begin beginning to get people upset. And uh, uh, we, with uh, Harry Bobley and Greg Stumbo and some other people, managed to put that off with a study committee and said, we'll, we'll look at it two years from now. Well, in two years, it was a lot more acceptable. So uh, uh, we, I think that was probably the most important thing we did was save Kara. Uh, but we also did uh, adult education and we did early childhood education. Uh, and those were the things that really made a difference. We did a lot more. We did a lot more. But we certainly, uh, uh, the most memorable thing was education. And the most important thing was education. You, you had some other attempts that uh, you weren't able to complete. Uh, uh, but uh, it's really uh, ironic to me that many of those, uh, and this is going back some years, I and mean, we're talking the late 90s and early 2000s, are still being talked about today as if they were, they were uh, in, the, in the current, and they are in the current General Assembly. And that's tax reform is one of those. And, and you, uh, I, I first of all want to ask you about uh, casino-style gambling is what we used to uh, term it and call it. Uh, when did you get that idea, and and where did you think, why did you think that was a good idea, and and how confident were you that that might work? Well, it, it was very controversial, but you know there are there at the time there were about five legal ways that you could gamble in Kentucky, and uh, uh, some of them were the worst ways. Uh, frankly. Bingo is among the worst forms of gambling. It's hope, hopefully most of it goes to a charitable purpose. But uh, uh, I had an aunt that got hooked on bingo and she wrote cold checks. And it just yeah, that appeals to uh, lower income people. And uh, they uh, it's a social uh, occasion for them. And uh, uh, generally, the people at a casino can afford to be there. Some don't. But generally, they can afford to be there. And uh, so I feel like that we've got gambling on every side of us, practically, except Tennessee. And uh, uh, I just I just thought it was. Uh, uh, I, 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 and I'm not a gambler, but I, I thought it was a, if, if all these people are going to the Ohio River uh, and uh, where, where our population is, they're they're getting our money. And. Uh, so I thought it was a good idea. I was interviewed by uh, a newspaper, a, a television personality. I called him Troublemaker. I can't remember what his name is, but uh, 
a good friend of mine. I saw him not too long ago, and he uh, he he asked me about that, and I mentioned something about it, and it uh, it uh, created controversy for a while, but it didn't take effect. I think finally it just did get done, right? Is that? Yep. Yep. Well, that's I was going to say. You know, it's not. It's not exactly the way you had spelled it out or anyone else has spelled it out, but it just just got passed and um, people can now uh, place a bet. Um, uh, and um, whether or not that will be expanded or not, I know there are a lot of people that would would support that. Um, you know, you um, you talk a lot about your um, and you rightly so, as I said, your successes and, and your accomplishments. You don't also. Um, go out of your way to, to gloss over maybe some of your political enemies at times uh, in, in the book. And one of those is our um, uh, senior senator. You, you, there, there's no love lost between you and Senator McConnell, is there? Well, I don't agree with McConnell. I uh, have great respect for his political acumen, but uh, uh, I certainly don't agree with him. Uh, on our, uh, any major issues, but I respect him as a effective politician. We're, we 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 had we had a, we never, never we worked with McConnell on a lot of issues. Uh, now Jim Money was one I couldn't work with at all, but uh, he, he didn't have the kind of influence that McConnell had. Yeah, and there are also other. Uh, you, you're very honest and open. Um, about uh, some of uh, the foibles that you ran into, your uh, uh, friendship with uh, Tina Connor, your affair there that uh, was um, uh, made the headlines for uh, a while, and uh, you write about that and 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 talk about that and how that um, almost ruined your your marriage to Judy, but but you were able to to continue that that uh, uh, marriage to her. Yes, and it was our, our marriage is very, very strong. We've been married. Our 46th anniversary was this past Sunday, 24th oh. September. So uh, uh, we've managed to work that out. Uh, it was certainly a tremendous, I guess, I guess when you get to be governor, your ego just uh, takes advantage of you. And, and I wasn't the only person that had been very friendly to me, but it was uh, it was the one that I did get involved with, and I'm very sorry for it. And, and I've apologized dozens and dozens of times, and uh, still it pops up. But uh, uh, and you put it in your book. Well, I, mean, I don't think you could write a legitimate book without being mentioning something like that. Yeah, uh, uh, Governor, um, how has politics changed from the time that you first got involved in it uh, to today. Just give us an overview of uh, how different it is and how um, much the money in politics has, has changed. And um, I saw some of the numbers that you used and how much was raised and that sort of thing. And it just, it, it's almost um, that we're looking at fantasy when we uh, see the numbers that are being spent on this current governor's race that we're going through uh, today. So um, talk a little bit about how politics has changed in your lifetime. It has changed in Kentucky. It has changed dramatically, not only from Democrat to Republican, but the way that politics is supposed to work 
is that good, well-intended people or, or that have different dif disagreements can sit down and compromise and give and take and come up with a reasonable program of action. That was the Constitution of the United States. Uh, it was the Constitution of Kentucky. That, my first uh, term in government, it was, guess, government, it was still the same. It was still the same way. We, uh, I did not pass any major piece of legislation that didn't lose some Democrat votes and didn't gain some Republican votes. Uh, uh, it was just, uh, we, you could sell uh, an issue. By second term, David Williams took over the uh, Senate. Republicans took over the Senate. A absolute 100% flip-flop. During my first term, David Williams was our informant in the Republican, what the Republicans were going to do. He would come by that little office beside uh, behind the governor's office uh, after the day was over. We'd, we'd sit around, talk around, me and him and Skipper, kid around. We were best of friends. And uh, I thought that would continue. But it uh, he, he adopted the, the, the Washington attitude. And he has succeeded with following with Mitch McConnell's example. He have made Kentucky a Republican state. It was a conservative state long before David Williams came around. But uh, uh, we Democrats were able to keep it. It was the only state out of the South that hadn't flipped Republican. And once it, once it started, it went wild. Today, I can't believe 80% majority Republican. Uh, and I think when I became governor, there was probably uh, maybe eight or nine Republicans in the Senate, and now there's about eight Democrats in the Senate. So it's been a complete flip-flop. It'll be that way for a long, long time, the experts say. It, uh, uh, it will be, uh, but I think the Republicans, I'm, I'm prejudiced, but I think the Republicans, I think they'll run it into the ground before that, uh, quick, more quicker than that. Uh, another 50 or 20 years, I think the, Republicans will run it into the ground. Well, I want to finish, uh, Governor, by uh, reading from um, one of the last paragraphs in the book um, uh, where you wrote um, and Jeff Sohanik, um, uh wrote um, in this last paragraph. And you um, say, I will finish by saying that I've had a blessed life. I've failed in many ways, large and small but I've succeeded more often than I have failed. I had an idyllic childhood because I didn't know how big the world was. My parents used the right amount of love and discipline. My sisters were great companions. I was successful in business. I was successful in government. I was successful at the University of Pikeville. I helped to raise a, a great family that I'm very proud of. Judy and I have a great relationship and are great partners. What more could a man want? I feel I have more to do, but if the Lord calls me home tomorrow, I won't complain. Hear, hear. Right. 80, 86 years old, and with the kind of health I am, uh, I've, I've just been blessed. I, there's no other way. You can you no other way to take it. I, when I was in UK, you take a vote of what freshman here would be the least likely to ever become governor of Kentucky. I would have been a strong candidate. 
but it's just a serious that's an interest that's a really interesting topic how i became governor and i'm gonna maybe write a short book on that in detail i had to cut out a lot of that stuff out of the uh of that book because that was that was mostly all my what i did as governor but uh just how i became governor is a very interesting story well, Governor Patton, uh, thanks so much. It's been an honor uh, and, and certainly a privilege to uh, to be with you again. And I look forward to seeing you uh, on October the 21st, uh, if not before, but certainly at the uh, at the Kentucky Book Festival sponsored by Kentucky Humanities. We're just so proud to uh, sponsor you and have you um, there. Uh, I think there will be a lot of people who will come out to to say hello to you and um, whether they buy your book or not, that's, that's not the important thing. It's to, it's to pay, uh, to honor you and, and uh, to pay homage to someone who's given their life to public service uh, to the state of uh, Kentucky. So thank you so much for taking the time today and we will see you soon. I hope. My pleasure, Bill. Thanks for the invitation. I'll see you on 21st. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 51 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.